0: Uh sorry, am I dreaming this or are we actually filming this? I think we're both dreaming this. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson, Richard James and Chris Dale. Hi. Hi, Richard James. I mean, I suppose we should count ourselves lucky that you're actually in the room with us and not sat in your car in some (laughs) services on the motorway somewhere.
1: It was not a very good services, actually.
0: Wasn't it? No. Or
1: was it a moto? Uh, Do you know what? I'm not even sure, but there were a lot of works going on. (laughs) Yeah. And then I thought I'd go for a nice pee. And uh, the... The the toilets are being refurbished.
0: Oh, and right. so I had to go uh,
1: out through the back yes. into
0: sort of Portaloo's. Yeah. It's
1: freezing. Okay, cold. this isn't
0: the conversation I thought we were going to be having at the top of the Jerry Anderson Podcast, pod number two eight four. Sorry, I'll so stop. We've sort of fallen into it, haven't we? Yes. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, you were referring to the news
1: last from last week. week yes. Which I had to do for my car. Yeah. Because I was at Scale Model World showing off some things which we could we could oh. show off later. I could show off. Shall I show off now? No, 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 no I'll no, show off later. Them. I'll talk about it later. Teaser, um,
0: but, um, yes, well, this is the Gerry Anderson podcast. That's the point I was trying to point Sorry. I didn't think we were going to go off on some detour around the, the toilets of your uh, less <laughs> lesser known uh, uh, services on the motorway.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, I'm Jamie Anderson, motorway service user. You said that like you were a Bond villain. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I'm Richard James. I'm, I don't really hang out in services on motorways that often. OK, fair that's, enough. It's not as often as you seem to.
1: And then what about our third member? Do you think he ser- hangs out in motorway
0: services? He's certainly got a, a whiff of a little chef about him, hasn't he? <laughs> uh, I think you're quite right. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's Chris Dale. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Ah, there he is. He's looking mm. all ripe and ready to sit in front of the randomizer <laughs> and watch a random episode of a Jerry Anderson series and comment on it and um, uh, offer us some insightful thoughts about it later on. What, what makes the randomizer ripe and ready today? What about him? Uh, well, well, why does he look different a, to he's normal? He's had at least one hot chocolate that I know of, so ah, that helps. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's coming up a little later on. The randomizer, of course. That's the name of the feature and the machine that he sits at. And he, it's therefore, the is known as the randomister, or his holiness, the randomister. Yes. Pope, or Pope, the Pope Randomister III. Yeah, no all right. those. Uh, but we have other things. It's not just that in the Jerry Anderson podcast. No, we have other things. Do you want me to tell you about them, or do you want to just pluck some things out of the air, and, and I'll nod if they're in the show? Well... There's the favourite thing in your life, of course, yeah. which
1: also is one of the favourite things in my life, Fab Facts, where I've got right. a book of Fab Facts and I flip through it and we read out a Fab Fact. Yeah. Hopefully it's Fab. That's it. What else? I can't remember.
0: Oh well, we've got the news. Possibly. I mean, we don't know. It may again be delivered from the driver's seat of your car. We don't know at this no, point. No, I think it'll be from the office again okay. next week. With yeah. uh, Uncle Specky, I think I called him. Uncle <laughs> <course>. Specky. Great name. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Uh, we've also got the first part of a two part interview with Craig Morris, uh, oh. managing editor, I think. is giving his proper title at ITVX. Or, 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 or editorial lead. Or, right. Yeah. No, managing Gosh. editor sounds right. But Does Craig it? is so lovely. Yeah. Yes.
1: He's the man you really got to thank for the fact that so much Anderson content is on ITVX. Exactly. And if you're outside the UK and wondering what ITVX is, then don't worry too much because you can't get it. But it's the (laughs) it's ITV's kind of streaming hub, uh, which they relaunched last year.
0: Right, yes, they did. Yes, that's right. Oh, no, you know. earlier this year, wasn't mm, it? Yeah. yeah
1: probably. See, it's, it's doing very well.
0: Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so the first part of his interview coming up, that's you. You'll be sitting in the uh, interviewer's seat. I know. i know. first time in ages. Hey, Podcasters,
1: can I apologize in advance because I've actually forgotten how <sighs> to do an interview.
0: Well, listen, as no. long as you manage managed to shoehorn in Cute Mutual Recruit, we'll all be happy. Thank goodness. What what podcast could would be I a know. podcast without? Why are they not all that? doing it? Oh. Okay, Uh, But the most important thing, of course, we haven't mentioned yet are wonderful Podstrons Ah, who sit at home watching us or listen to us on their headphones as they're out walking the dog or doing the housework. Both potentially. Both, yeah. And uh, sometimes they're moved so much by something that one of us says (laughs) (laughs) that they put pen to paper or finger to keyboard. They They never put pen to paper. Have we ever had a handwritten They might write it out in log hand first and then go to the keyboard. I don't think we've ever had a handwritten note. Where would they send it? Well, to the moxie slough, right? That's asking for trouble, isn't it?
1: Well, I don't know. Pod- c- Podstron, could you be <laughs> the first Podstron to send us a handwritten note into the Jerry Anderson oh, podcast? Nice,
0: yes. But failing that, you can always email us at podcast at easier, dot It's easier, it's isn't much it? quicker, it's much easier, yeah, just and do that. Uh, we read them out later. We'll also be heading over to our Facebook group. Will we? Yeah, nice sort of very busy, bustling community of um, uh, podcast fans and Jerry Anderson fans, and. Might I just say, early Christmas present for me, we've just hit our thousandth member. That's how bustling it is. (laughs) A thousand people. Yeah, that's right. At least. So that's good. So no one must leave. Bolt the doors, shut all the windows. We're not letting anyone out. Right. Because I don't want to dip below the thousand. That would be very embarrassing. So I'm setting a new target for Christmas 2024. Okay. 1,500. Oh,
1: right. I what think you can go for the big two.
0: Oh, I see. No, I wouldn't dare do that. It took really? us this long to get a thousand. I know, but it's the snowball thing, isn't it? Now you probably realise that I'm trying to spin this part of the podcast out a bit. It does feel a bit like that? Yeah, yeah, because I'm dreading getting to. Oh, I see. That's why. Yeah.
1: Well, in that case, oh. let's proceed immediately. Do not pass go. Or do just not collect two hundred pounds. Uh, it's fab facts. Joy. Now, time for this week's fab facts. Let me pick up the book of Fab Facts right. and place down my coffee. Yes, carefully. Doom. Oof. Makes lovely a label, noise. not it? Yeah. Uh, so I've got a book of Fab Facts right we here. We know
0: you've got a book of Fab Facts. I we talk yeah. about it every week. Go
1: on then. So what am I going to do?
0: You're going to flick through a page. I'm going to shout Fab. You're going to land on a random page and read out the Fab fact that I shouted Fab at. And then I'm going to roll my eyes and that'll be it.
1: Well, you've really sold that. <laughs> yes, correct. Oh. Are you ready? Born ready.
0: And <laughs> here we go. Fab! Ooh. Hey? Uh, oh, hang on. What just yes, This is becoming more and more prevalent, isn't it? This flicking what back and flicking it? forwards. <sighs> well, it, it'll be worth it. Right. Probably. I mean, I don't
1: know yet. We'll find out. Richard. Yes. We've spoken before about writers paying tribute to the worlds of Anderson when telling stories in other fictional universes, haven't we? Have we? Yes. I don't
0: listen, but I'll take your word for it. Okay, well,
1: most famously, there's the BBC Doctor Who novel, The Indestructible Man from the mid-2000s, which reinterprets various characters and organisations from UFO, Captain Scarlet and Thunderbirds. Breathe. I think on the cover, they've got uh, someone in in a purple wig. From memory. Oh, yeah, right. So that's clear. Patrick Tran. Uf- I don't think it's Patrick Tran. <laughs> it's probably Wendy Padbury, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's probably it could Zoe be. in a purple wig. Oh. Uh, is, is, is Chris, Chris, is Chris, the Chris Randomizer stuff. there? Is yeah, that true? Yeah, yeah. You are correct. Oh, oh, I was correct. There great. you go. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Wendy uh,
0: Padbury in a purple wig. <laughs> is
1: that, is that, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm just. Uh, yes. Carry on. <laughs> anyway, uh, were you aware that just over 10 years earlier, the Marvel Universe had published their own take on various Anderson shows?
0: I was not aware. Until uh, now. I feel
1: I'm about to be made aware. Well, I'm, yes, I'm about to do that. Uh, in the story, Master Puppet. Yeah. First published in November 1992 in issue number 47 of The Sensational She-Hulk, oh. lawyer Jen Walters, also known as She-Hulk, oh, meets a client named Anderson. Right. Who is accused of burning down his neighbor's house. Right. <laughs> is <laughs> this that, based on... That's, <laughs> that's, no, that's no, not no, the okay, bit. Okay, fine. He tells her that it wasn't him... It was the puppets, (laughs) obviously. Mm -hmm. Specifically, the puppets who came out of the puddle that appeared one day in his back garden.
0: Happens all the time. I know, we've all been there, haven't we?
1: In this puddle was an island, out of which flew several futuristic craft known as the Thunderhawks, Okay. vehicles of the World Rescue Network. Right. (laughs) Are you with me so far? Yes, I am. The Thunderhawk craft if you were wondering, were designed by a brilliant scientist named... Bighead. Big Head. (laughs) Okay. Soon, chaos ensues as the island not only expands to full size and the ocean around it threatens to engulf the entire city, it also brings with it versions of Stingray, a terror fish, an SPV, and what looks like either an angel interceptor or Sky 1 chasing a UFO, all of which are, of course, operated by puppets.
0: Okay. right.
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. it's that old worn-out trope of a pocket universe full of puppets expanding to fill and potentially
0: wipe out our own. Yes, a worn-out trope. I've written it several times myself. Just so predictable, isn't it?
1: So not only did Jen meet an operative of the World Rescue Network who wore a bright blue uniform and a hat and a yellow sash... Yeah. Our little friend down there There will uh, share that as well. She also had to contend with a race of fishmen... And the Rainbow Organisation, uh, whose number one operative, was the indestructible yes. Agent Rouge, <laughs> hello, hello, hello. was locked in a seemingly never-ending war of nerves with former Rainbow operative Agent Noir. <laughs> I like
0: it. Oh, this has got a real kind of French feel to it. Yeah, it does it's now, fun, it? yeah. Uh,
1: who is now under the control of an alien race known as the... Se- Les Misterons. The Secretives. The Secretives. Yeah. Did She-Hulk manage to take down Agent Noir, save the Anderson family, and send the puppets back to their own universe? And just which Anderson character does the titular master puppet appear to have been based on? Oh. It's it's Jimmy Gibson. Oh. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, you'll have to track down a copy of issue number 47 of the the Sensational She-Hulk to find out. Uh, I I can't believe we've actually had this as a fact. Uh, So now the big question. Come on, Marvel. When can we expect a Thunderhawks or Agent Rouge movie?
0: Well, I mean, I'd go and see that. I'd go and see it just to see Which Agent Noir say, "Bonsoir, je suis <clears throat> Agent Noir." Yeah, I, I, well, you've got the you've got the part. I've got the part. That's yeah. all it took. Absolutely. Wow! If only every audition was quite so easy. Yeah,
1: je- Genevieve Gaunt as Agent Rouge, yeah. possibly. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. She's got the outfit for it already. Yeah, absolutely. She worked well, for her interview. That was very strange, wasn't it? A little sidestep into I feel like we another slipped universe. Slipped into a pocket universe. Yeah, yeah. great.
1: Well, let's come back. Uh, right. I mean, I, that's there's 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 pastiche and there's homage and there's um you know.
0: Why <laughs> are you are you accusing Marvel of, of ripping off uh, the Jerry Anderson stage? I don't way know. There? There's
1: something a little <clears throat> um a little find and replace about that, isn't
0: there? Mm, yeah, but it's but, cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What a lovely reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should absolutely try and find out who wrote that script. We must find out the writer and get them on. Yes. Do, do, no, true. I will. I'll try. <clears throat> Could you? Yeah. Yes. Good. Just okay. not now because I'm. Recording a podcast. All right, fine. We'll do it Uh, later.
1: (coughs) But, Posterons, do you know of any other blatant rip-offs? I mean, uh, homages or pastiches from the Anderson universe that have been applied to others? We'd love to know. Mm. You can email us at podcast at Mm gerryanderson.com. Yeah. Uh, There's no prizes for anyone who provides that, but we might read out your thoughts and emails, and that'd be great. And
0: that is prize
1: enough, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, how lovely that uh, there are Anderson ripples in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Oh, I like that very much. Well
0: done, Fab Facts. Hang on, you like that very much? Yeah, well no, done, I Fab Facts. Yeah, I did like that one because that was so left field, it engaged my imagination. Amazing. And it kept me enthralled throughout. Enthralled. Well, you heard it there, Podstrons. Uh, <laughs>
1: I can't believe it. I feel I want to do a big card, and I'm going to print it out with yeah. your review of Fab Facts on it. <laughs> yeah, go for it. There you go. Well, I've got absolutely no idea what we're going to say at the end of this one, but uh, that brings us to the end of this week's...
0: Hulk fact. Great. Yes, that was
1: f- well done. Us. <clears throat> Amazing.
0: Yeah. No, I like it when it goes a bit weird like that. I much prefer fab facts like that than stories about you know. Did you know that the uh, the uh, the third AD on um, Terra Hawks also worked on you know that kind of thing. Because I can find that out myself just by going to IMDb. I love that you couldn't recall a single fab fact <laughs> that you could quote there. You just had to make something up. Passing quickly on <clears throat> yes. to our wonderful Podstorons. Sounds like we should. I think it's time we moved swiftly on. Really? Uh, if someone could just open the door, because it's getting a bit stuffy in here. It would be oh. lovely just to let in a nice little cool breeze. Lovely chill. Okay. Oh, Ooh. thanks, Chris. Lovely. This is the voice of the Podstorons. Actually I don't know what that's got to do with anything Why have we got into this It's probably me isn't it Got into this whole thing of opening the door and letting in a cold breeze To let in the podstrons. Even though the voice of the podstrons is supposed to be spooky and chilling uh, In and of itself it That's yeah. the reason that we did the show I see. Anyway yeah, you uh, may break so, this. Uh, We do have quite a few emails Great. Luckily people have been sending them into at jerryanderson.com. Hello Richard and Jamie Says Simpsons Clips 24. Hello, Simpsons Clips 24. So I was reading Jamie's interview with Brands Untapped. Brands
1: Untapped, yes. You get around, don't you? I do. There's a lovely chap at Brands Untapped called Deej
0: Johnson. And Deej yeah. often asks us for interviews, and we have a lovely chat with him. And that was one of those. Oh, great. Uh, when I saw that he alluded to an Anderson IP known as the Hit Squad. Which, he said, he did not have any material of and was only made aware of it during the Eubank auctions of Anderstuff in 2020. That's correct. Really? Yes. Well, having looked at the listing on Eubank auctions, I've come up with a theory as to what the hit squad was, says Simpsons Clips. Oh, really? It seems. It was going to be a super macromation series with characters including Mongrel, the uh, muscle of the group, Mm -hmm. uh, Karma the uh, female fighter pilot, Darkon, a Klingon-esque character, the Baron, the Hit Squad's leader, Joe Dan and Echo, a Bruce Lee type, and his parrot, and Bandit, the villain. What a creative name. Yes, it looks like Steve Begg was going to be the designer of the show as he'd done drawings of a spaceship and something known as a (laughs) rocket gun. Little
1: tiny rockets.
0: (laughs) Oh, sweet. Uh, and it seems a script of episode one, the Minesweeper, had already been drafted. Of course I'm happy to be corrected, but what do you think, regardless? SIG Simpsons Clips twenty four. The hit squad. Yes. Really? Yes. A script written? Yes. Designs made?
1: Character designs by Steve Kite and vehicle designs by Steve Begg, I think, yes. We've got I mean, we've got the we've got the paperwork from the Eubanks auction, so I know these things. Oh yeah. So Um, what happened? Well it didn't happen, did it? (laughs) No, but why not?
0: I know it didn't happen, obviously.
1: (laughs) I think it's just because Terrorhawks wasn't renewed and Perhaps the third series didn't go down as well as they'd hoped, I and see. Uh, yeah, that was it. Uh, and and by that time, I guess they were kind of onto space police and mm-hmm. then dad and Christopher Burr's relationship was fraying a bit mm-hmm. and so it just kind of got abandoned.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean
1: there's, there's lots of aspects of it which are would kind of be a no-no sure. now. Yes. Some
0: yeah. Some, I gathered that from some of the uh, some character names tropes there.
1: that you probably don't want yeah, yeah. Um, fair fair around. Enough. But yeah. it's a, it's a nice thing to have. Yes. Uh, the script uh, was a bit flimsy I think mm-hmm. which is probably another reason it didn't happen. It mm-hmm. was just didn't seem to be to be gelling. But it's a lovely piece of uh, memorabilia. Yeah, curio.
0: Yeah, and lucky for me that it didn't happen, really. Yes, because if it had, space Precinct might never have seen the light of day, and I wouldn't be sitting here now. Oh, and then we wouldn't that. be
1: having this conversation. I no, don't. I don't stop that. it. Move on. So
0: actually, I much prefer it. Okay, it let's go on. I could be sitting at home. Anyway, Lee Hazel has oh written yeah. in, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> dear Jamie and Richard. Mm. Hope you're well. I haven't emailed for some time, but I could not resist letting you know of a reference to Thunderbirds that I recently stumbled across while watching an episode of Yes, Heartbeat.
0: Heartbeat. Oh, God. Um, um, Nick Berry, I think. sort 19... of 1960s police series. Yes, yes. yes.
1: Right, okay. The episode, A Winter's Tale, features a character called Lady Whitley, who occupies a large, stately home mm. outside Aidensfield, the fictional village, oh, right. uh, along with her butler, Parker. Uh, right. That's clever, isn't it? <laughs> In one scene, she's filmed standing next to the fireplace, hollering, Parker, the rolls. I had to rewind the scene to check I hadn't misheard. Sadly, there wasn't an extended scene as I was hoping to, uh, hoping we'd then see the butler pull open the lounge doors while sighing and saying something like, a butler's work is never done. Oh, yes. Having grown up a huge fan of Thunderbirds, I love it when a reference to the series pops up and I found the scene rather warming and amusing. <laughs> Clearly, whoever wrote the character into the episode was also a fan. I really enjoying the new dynamic podcasts. What?
0: What's he watching now?
1: He's watching somebody else's. <laughs> yeah. Keep up the great work. Best wishes, Lee. Thanks, yeah. Lee. Where's he watching Heartbeat? I, I don't know. Has it stopped?
0: Well, I think so. I think it stopped a few years ago.
1: I don't know. Well, there's, there's ITBX, DVDs I or ITV. Yeah,
0: I be, yeah. bet it will be ITVX. But it might be. Yeah. We'll check with Craig later. Yeah. Uh, hi, chaps. <clears throat> hello. This is Sean Raven. Oh, hello, Sean. Uh, who is saluting us in such a fashion. Well, you did it again. He says you announced another soundtrack mid-month. Yes, sorry well, about that. Well, super excited to see this Terrorhawks soundtrack available. Of course. So I just had to buy it. I just wish you'd announce these things after payday.
1: Well, the middle middle month is after payday,
0: the well, previous month. Obviously, okay. obviously, not for Sean. Uh, I've been loving the comic anthologies. Are there any plans to release a Captain Scarlet one? I still have vivid memories of reading one in my TV21 annual years ago, and I'd love to read more of them. Oh, well, Mustache. Oh, bye. Oh. Yeah, that was quick, wasn't it? <laughs> So, is there a Captain Scarlet comic anthology? Oh, I mean, come works?
1: on, we just we're working our way through the anthologies, aren't we? I mean, it yeah. seems pretty pretty obvious. Give now, it time, I think. Just yeah, we'll yeah. get there. Yeah, right. But you know, think about you know anniversaries, I guess. Right. To try and give yourself an indication. Oh yeah. No doubt you're not you because you probably don't know when it is. Next year? No. Year after? No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. but yes, in, in due course we'll definitely get there um, because the comic anthologies are going down very well and they're lovely things.
0: Great. Talking of lovely things. Y- y- yes. Our lovely Podstrons can get in touch. Oh. Podcast at We'll read out your emails next time. Uh, but in the meantime, are you in a car or are you back at home? I think I'm back at home. Should we it's not me. It's Becky. It's Specky. Oh, specky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see what he's up to with Jerry Anderson News. Hooray!
1: Hello Ana fans, Jamie Anderson here with your weekly dose of news from the exciting world of Jerry Anderson. Let's get right into it. Great news for model kit enthusiasts, our Space 1999 and Thunderbirds kits are back in stock but as you know they fly off the shelves pretty quickly so be sure to act fast if you're looking to add these to your collection. Speaking of Space 1999, our much-anticipated Eagle collectibles are currently en route to us. You can follow their journey across the waters and keep up-to-date with their arrival via all of our social media channels. Don't miss out! Also, in the world of kits, we have some very limited new Captain Scarlet Falcon kits and some Intergalactic Rescue 4 ones from our lovely friends at Fantastic Plastic. These Falcons are already sold out globally, so this is probably your last chance to get your hand on these rare items. Get ready for Captain Black Friday coming up this week. If you're a returning customer, you'll gain early access to the sale with discounts of up to 70%, all starting from 6pm this Thursday it's the perfect time to grab those items that you've been waiting for and eyeing up. The Space 1999 comic anthology officially releases this Wednesday. The early reviews are in and they're all five star. Make sure you secure your copy of this much lauded anthology. And while it's not Anderson related, as a lifelong fan I cannot help but give a shout out to Doctor Who on its 60th anniversary this Thursday. But let's mix it up a little bit can you spot any connections between the worlds of Anderson and Doctor Who that we may not know about? Share your findings on X, formerly known as Twitter, using the hashtag AnderWho. I'm excited to see your discoveries. Well, that's all from me this week. Keep your eyes to the skies and your hearts full of adventure as usual. Until next time, remember, anything can happen in the next half hour. Back to Richard and Jamie in the studio. Jerry Anderson News. Yeah, in a more normal location. But yes, very well done, sad yeah. about David Elliott.
0: Yes. What a life and what a career. Yeah,
1: 92. Mm, extraordinary. Good run. And uh, yes, it's, a, it's you know, an, another vital member of the the old guard gone.
0: Absolutely right. And, uh, you know, what a legacy they leave behind for us. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's seldom that you come across someone and you think, well, without you, mm. we wouldn't have some of the... The wonderful things that we have.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And but I mean, before they parted company, um, Dad and David were incredibly close. Mm. They were best mates, and I'm sure mm. David supported him through a lot of the early tricky stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, you can absolutely credit him with one of the, being one of the key parts of the stuff that we now enjoy.
0: And uh, we'll be hearing from our podstrons who uh, wrote some uh, lovely words of, uh, of commiseration and condolence oh. on our Facebook page a little later on. So Bless them. Well. Yeah, we'll be uh, everyone hearing from them later. Bless them, everyone, exactly. Yeah. That's very Christmasy. That's very Christmas Carol. Oh, we're heading towards Christmas, aren't we? At a rate of knots. We yeah. are. Could I just give a shout-out? You know in the old days when you used to watch a sitcom like with, say, Les Dawson? <laughs> and as the credits rolled at the end, they'd say, yes. and Les Dawson is currently appearing in Run- for your wife at the Windmill Theatre Lowestoft, or something like that <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Great Yarmouth actually <laughs> oh okay uh, well I'm currently appearing by the yes, time this goes out yes. in a Sherlock Carroll at the Marylebone Theatre in London so Podstron's if you fancy a you'd have to be quick because the tickets are selling like hot Christmas cakes oh hot oh, Christmas cake oh <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah do come along and see the show it's really good fun I had a, quite a posse last year
1: yes you had lots it's of them turning up
0: the stage door yeah I did yeah right.
1: <laughs> you can go out for a drink with
0: a few of them The mountain. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte's ill droning a free drink. Yeah, that's right. Now, uh, so we've done the news, we've done fab facts, we've uh, heard from the Podstrons. Yeah. Jamie, are you ready to take over the interviewer's chair for the first part of our guest interview? It feels
1: very weird to be back doing interviews. I'm not sure I can do it.
0: That means I've got to get out and. uh, Yeah. Well, Well, hang on. But
1: you should do the interview, shouldn't you? Not the interview. (laughs) I'm going to do the interview. But you should do the intro. Do you want me to do the intro? Well,
0: because you've got such Uh, a lovely (laughs) intro
1: approach. I don't think mine will do the job. Ready? I'm, I'm born ready.
0: Me, 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 me. This week's guest is the man who brought Gerry Anderson to ITVX. He has 30 years' experience working within ITV, the BBC and large commercial media companies in the UK. <laughs> Beyond that, he's a big Anderson fan, with stories to tell of meeting the man himself and of being banned from watching Space 1999 as a child. Let's find out more. It's Craig Morris. <laughs>
1: Hello. Hello, Craig. Welcome. Uh, Craig is a, a very long time listener. Is that fair to say?
2: Yes, yeah. And a big, you know, I've been a big fan of all things Anderson most of my life. So, yeah. So, when you get into a job, in my case, in TV, that gets you closer to it, or I get to meet amazing people like you, it's, it's brilliant. But, yeah, yeah, it's throughout all my years, loved it on TV. In the 90s, I used to be on the radio and I, I interviewed your dad a few times and. In fact, it's probably too early to say this, maybe, but you know, exactly. he um, he did a sort of audience with Jerry Anderson, and invited me. And took me backstage, which was amazing to see everything and talk to him, and introduced me to his young son Jamie. So I actually <laughs> met you. <laughs> you were probably about nine or ten or something. I don't know. Wow. But uh, yeah, so so there was that, and that was a lovely connection. Um, uh, you used to know Simon Archer, who worked on one of the, you know the early uh, biographies and. Um, fab books and things. So yeah, it just kept coming back. And then of course, many years later, after spending some time in TV, ended up involved in BritBox. And a big part of BritBox was classic British TV, which I love. And it sort of gave me an opportunity to reconnect again with the entire world, actually. So... Yeah, all things Anderson, love it,
1: and to reconnect with me, yes, and to
2: reconnect with you, absolutely, and except this time we could drink alcohol when we meet up, you know. Yes, that um, would have been very strange as,
1: eat- at a nine nine year old uh, having a, a beer with you. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, no, that's amazing, and now with me with less hair, but us. Doing yes, so I think pieces. you did have a
2: bit more hair. He- I don't know whether you would have ever noticed me at that moment because I was standing next to the DJ Pat Sharp, who was much more famous than me. Um, so you might have been that more... was then, OK. Yeah, I was standing next to Pat Sharp, if that helps orientate you. It,
1: it absolutely does, because I got Pat Sharp's autograph that there day. There you go, yeah. Uh, which I've still got now, my little blue oh, autograph Oh, there you book. go. Yeah, you didn't ask for mine. I'd, sorry, Craig. Yeah. Oh, we'll get God. one afterwards. Uh, anyway, <laughs> now, so now you've done all this stuff about how... How kind of ingrained you are in the world of Anderson. I want to get into what your kind of your role is at ITVX and a bit about ITVX afterwards. But we'd play a little game at the start of the interview, right? Okay. Called super identification. So I'm going to have you look at the screen, right? You need to watch a title sequence montage, and as you see them, you've got to very quickly call out as many as you possibly can, and we will write down your score. On this oh, oh my lovely scorecard.
2: Yeah, that's that's quite hideous.
1: Looking <laughs> <up>. <laughs> it's glorious. You're now officially a member of International Rescue. Right. But Craig, are you ready to play Super Identification? Not really. But well, you're doing it <laughs> anyway, so here we go. Twizzle? Oh, yeah, nice. Are okay, we there? Good start. Yeah, good. OK. Uh,
2: supercar? No. Let's see. Four Feather Falls. Very good. Supercar. Yeah. Well, obviously, Fireball XL5. Great theme. Stingray, obviously. Thunderbirds. You got that wrong, you I'm be fired. in order. Yeah, exactly. Captain Scarlet, obviously. Joe90, personal favourite of mine, and the one you hate. Well, Secret Service, Stanley Unwin. He's doing well. Uh, UFO, the best opening titles ever. Amazing. Protectors, I think, yeah. Space 1999. This is an emergency. And Terrorhawks. Very good. Oh, uh, that wasn't Dick Spanner. Yeah, Dick Spanner, Space Precinct.
0: <gasps>
2: and uh, Lav- Lavender Castle? Yeah. It is, yeah, okay. Uh, is that in the new Captain Scarlet?
1: he's done very well is that, is that well. right yeah i mean
2: what you didn't realize there if any of my bosses are watching this and i didn't get them right they'd be like why is he <laughs> looking after brit boxed so had to i think do well.
1: that was pretty impressive the pressure and i i think i'm right in saying that you scored 17. that is a very very good right. score 17 out of 18. yeah
2: I'd love to know the one I couldn't get, actually. The one that you missed
1: was Torchy, wasn't it? Was it Torchy? Oh, Torchy the Battery Boy, of course. You know it now, but 17. Yeah, I'll take 17. That is an excellent score. Congratulations. Right. Thank you very much. Well, as I say,
2: bearing in mind I looked after BritBox in the UK, which had a lot of classic TV, it would be a bit of an embarrassing one to uh, <laughs> fluke. And,
1: and BritBox doesn't have Torchy, I don't believe. So No,
2: no, 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 exactly. They, there you go, yeah, because um, obviously we, we try and get all the rights we can for these shows, but uh, there's still some evading us, but no doubt over
1: time we'll track them down. Your, your, yeah, your excuse for Torchy anyway. That's great. So... ITVX. We have international listeners and viewers who may not know, and we have domestic mm. viewers uh, who may not know ITVX. So, yeah. can you tell me what ITVX is and what your what your role is there to give some people some context?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, ITVX is um, sort of ITV's VOD service. Really, it used to be called ITV Hub. Hub was a bit more catch up. Um, what we've tried to do with ITVX is make it more of a streaming destination. So a place you'd actually think to go, to go and watch shows. And that could be the latest shows that you might see on ITV. It could be shows that have never been on ITV or won't ever go on ITV because they're slightly different. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously VOD viewing audiences are much, much broader and you can go for lots of different, um, audiences there. Um, but Part of the reason behind ITBX is we could do so much more than just our linear TV channels. Mm. You know, you're um, you're a bit restricted by a TV schedule with those. So you can only fit in so many programs and appeal to so many audiences. We're on a streaming service. You can put loads and loads of stuff up there. I mean, we've got. Sixteen, seventeen thousand 17,000 hours available for free now on ITVX. That's all free with adverts. And then if you subscribe, you get an extra sort of six, 7,000 hours of content from BritBox, which we also run. And BritBox is our sort of home of classic British telly. So clearly a lot of this stuff started there when BritBox was around before ITVX came along. And then they asked me a couple of years ago to sort of... Um, oversee all editorial on ICVX after I'd done BritBox for a few years. So part of the plan was let's bring BritBox in as part of the premium tier. So you pay this extra bit of money and you get everything without the ads, but you get BritBox mm. and there's a lot of great telly in there. By the way, the reason I loved BritBox is you can, for the first time, you could bring stuff from different broadcasters together. So in the case of BritBox, suddenly, and I don't think this had been done before, you had classic Doctor Who and Blake 7 and the Boxer Delights, all these great classic shows under the same roof as... Many of the brands we just saw, you know, yeah. the Gerry Anderson brands and being able to put it all together because, you know, the fandom does overlap with lots of different franchises. So I love this and I could do it with drama uh, at BritBox. I could do it with comedy where you could take classic ITV comedy and put it alongside classic BBC comedy or whatever. So so look, ITVX is there to be a streaming destination. Um, It's got a lot of great ITV content on there, but we've expanded it. We have a lot of kind of US box sets. And so whether you like comedy, you know, 30 Rock Community Parks and Rec, we've got all of that there for free or, you know, Vampire Diaries or the OC or One Tree Hill. But then what we're also trying to do is offer the best of what ITV's always done.
1: Mm.
2: And that's where Gerry Anderson comes in. Um, I think it was probably between Gerry and... Lou Gray, that um, that amazing idea. I think Lou Gray did this with a lot of his classic shows of filming them, putting them on film. Yeah. And here we are now, so many years later, and I don't think any of us could be more thankful because you can restore that, you can make it HD, it can look absolutely amazing. It's one of the secrets to the success of this stuff that you go back to a Thunderbirds, a Stingray, a Captain Scala, or you or you go back to the Prisoner, you know, or some of these other great uh, live action shows, like the same, they were shot in uh, in film. A lot of them are in color. And all these years later, we can restore them in a way that it's difficult to do with video. But but I think all the advances in AI now are showing us that one day we'll probably be able to do a kind of HD restoration of an SD videotape thanks yeah. to AI. So um, so I'm excited about all of that. So getting it all together was part one with BritBox. But, uh, and as you can probably tell, I'm a bit of a geek for classic um, British telly. Which we love. Um, like. Yeah, exactly. So um, so it's playing to my strengths, really. So first BritBox, and even in ITV. What's been great is stuff that started in BritBox as a sort of subscription service. Some of it, not all of it, but some of it, we've now brought down, so it's available for free again uh, with adverts,
1: and and we'll we'll grow that over time. Obviously, you've got an amazing collection of stuff on there, and also you. I mean, you mentioned restoring stuff from SD videotape to HD. You're already doing it. You did it with us for the Space Precinct, of course. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the first actually, in a bit of a test, and I think that looks
2: amazing. <laughs> mm really is amazing what you can do. But bearing in mind the technology is moving so fast, I've oh, seen yeah. some other demos where, you know, some of this imagery is pin sharp yeah. and looks so on the money. Um, I think that's really going to aid us sort of going forward. So, so yeah, I love doing all this stuff. I love TV. But, um, yeah, the day job, if you like, is overseeing all the editorial on ITVX and all of ITV streaming operations. So BritBox still comes under that um but yeah so sort of setting up in the last year a living breathing streaming service um you know it's about between 10 and 13 million people a month depending on the month using itvx so we get a lot of eyeballs we're very lucky because we might have an fa cup match or the world cup or a rugby world cup and these sort of things love island they bring enormous amounts of people in yeah, and then when they come in they see all the other stuff we've got so yeah. and we're only just getting going next year we're going to introduce more personalizations so if you're a fan of Jerry Anderson content, for example, hopefully we can show you a lot more of that and maybe a little less Love Island if that's not your thing. Uh, so that's next year's sort of big focus, really. But yeah, so I'm, I'm very lucky because we commission um, new exclusives uh, that often then end up going onto TV. We acquire a lot of content from the US and we're still trying to keep... You know, Brit Box with, a you know, having this regular drumbeat of really good classic British telly. And people keep saying to me, well, you're going to run out. And I'm like, <laughs> have you ever seen what's in the TV archives? You know, um, we're always finding new stuff or there's always shows we we want to get on there because a lot of people ask, why don't you have this or that? And the honest truth is we've only got so much space and so much money. And I look at it as a marathon, not a sprint, right? So every year we want to keep delivering new little gems. So it's not physically possible to put all of it up there right from the start. But don't assume just because it's not there now that it won't be coming in. And yeah. we can give it a moment and give it time. And there's still more Jerry Anderson we'd like to get on there. There's still a lot of classic comedy and drama we'd like to get on there. And as we do new deals and get right sorted, then then we'll sort it out. But, yeah, so it's uh, I'm a bit like a kid in
1: a candy store, really. I'm very lucky uh, to work on uh, on ITVX. To play with all your classic favourites. Okay, well, yeah. that's great, and it's good to know there's more anti-stuff that ITVX wants. So, yes, yeah you, yeah. you heard it here, yeah. Well,
2: Well, we'd love, I mean, long-term, I would love one day to have it sort of all there, but as mm. you probably know, um, the rights are with different people, and not all deals are very straightforward. And um, a, a good example I can give you is we recently... Found um, a largely unseen classic ITV series, and we were able to get the deals done to to put that onto the streaming service. But the bi- the biggest barrier we have, even if you find classic stuff, that people haven't seen is the rights
1: yeah because well, you know work.
2: when these yeah when these shows were made in the 1950s 60s 70s no, no one envisaged that they'd be housed on a streaming service and available all the time and so there were no agreements to cover it so you are at the mercy of having to sort of go back retrospectively and try and do deals with writers and with um, actors I mean a good example is um, classic Doctor Who, just back on iPlayer, but the first-ever story isn't there. I mean, yeah. it is on BritBox, different agreement, you see. Of course. And that's to do with one of the writers. Yeah. Um, so uh, on the first-ever uh, show there so so there's always these issues and people can't quite understand it but generally if there's a problem it's um it's rights related
1: yeah it's not
2: you being uh no, will,
1: willfully difficult Craig.
2: no i love the fact that people think <laughs> i'd sit, sit in an office and try and cancel these classic shows and as i say if they're not currently on there um it might be that we're just planning to give them a moment next year or the year after and they're in our longer term plan uh, but yeah, I don't sit there with a chomping on a big cigar with my feet up on the desk going, uh, what classic TV
1: am I going to deny people today? <laughs> it doesn't work like that.
2: It's, honestly, if we can find it, do the deal and get it on there, we will.
1: Okay, well, that's good to know. And I, I know you try very hard on these things. So I'm going to come back to the place of kind of classic Anderson in modern entertainment and on ITVX specifically in a bit. But, you know, you've kind of showed yourself up as a bit of a and a nerd, if you will. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I think we should take a look at your very first Anderson memory. So yes. So let's have a look and you can tell us about it. Brilliant. For
0: the last time, Loman, it's Rick
3: King. Oh, shit. Got it? Yeah, I've got it, as you so quaintly put it. Well, you loused it up twice during the last session. I doubt if anyone was foolish enough to be tuned in. Yeah, yeah, very funny. How about breakfast? It's your turn. All right, it should be ready. How I ever got landed with a guy like you, I'll never know. The feelings mutual. I assure you.
1: Okay. Love it. That's Love good, it. It's a good, an interesting choice. But why, <laughs> why? Why is that? Why does that stick out in your mind? Well, yeah, it might look a bit
2: random, but I think it genuinely is because it's my earliest Anderson memory. And it. Lo- I think it does sort of embody a lot of uh, Thunderbirds, a lot of Gerry Anderson shows. And it's so fantastical, you know, I'm, you know, I would have watched that in a council estate in Rochdale um, and, it, and it looked impossibly glamorous and amazing <laughs> and, it, it, you know, later on in life I went on to, to be a radio DJ and it started with that and had a love of TV um, and, uh, but radio as well and I, I should say, I should give a shout out actually uh, to, uh, to my Uncle John, my Uncle John, John Morris, because it, it's weird, he, um, he was actually 12 years younger than my dad, 12 years older than me nearest thing i had sort of to a to an older brother and a lot of what he loved and he grew up in the 60s Uh, he sort of passed on to me as I was growing up in the 70s, 80s. So he absolutely adored Thunderbirds and Gerry Anderson. He was really into his music and the Beatles, and then that morphed into getting me into music in the 70s, 80s. And he also bought me a book on how sort of uh, radio presenters do their shows. I think it was like Peter Powell's Book of Pop. And (laughs) I could be wrong, but was Ricochet like on a record? Or on, I, I, I seem to remember it might have been on like a, um, a record could that he might mini have album had, and yeah, a issues. mini album type thing. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure because I was trying to, I was trying to work out. I would have seen bits on the TV, but he introduced me to it all. He had a lot of the characters and the vehicles. Um, but I remember the first one I remember watching was Ricochet. and I remember it really impacting me because it, it looked cool. He was a DJ. Um, it was space. It was, but it's mainly it was my first introduction into this world. I've got lots of Thunderbirds episodes, particularly I love, but I think there was something about that one that sort of stuck with me. And I, again, I could be wrong, but I think in the eighties, when they start releasing them on video, it's possibly that Ricochet was in a compilation because I had it mm. and I would have, you know, I would have only been about 11 or 12. And so, so I sort of saw it when I was a bit younger and it looked amazing. Uh, I, I think I heard it on a record and then I think I had it on a video. okay, And, and because Unlike now, you can just sit down and watch all of them whenever you wanted. You tend to watch the same few over and over. And so, you know, that would stick in my mind or Attack of the Alligators or just, you know,
1: Trapped in the Sky. You just they stick with you a little bit. But it's fascinating that that encouraged you to go into radio because, I mean, we, we've obviously over the, the the pod spoken to a lot of people who have been inspired to go into, uh, into the sciences, into space, into Film and TV because of the special effects or whatever. I think you might be our first who was inspired by Thunderbirds character to go and work in radio. <laughs> to go work in radio.
2: Well, it is bizarre, isn't it? But um, I mean, I think the simple answer is I wasn't clever enough to do all the things you just said before. But I could <laughs> I could play some records on the radio. But but the other thing, I, I, you know, as I got older, I've still loved that episode. It's mm. one of the only episodes actually that I think was sort of influenced maybe by what was going on in the world because it was it was during the time of the pirate at radio stations and there, there are sort of similarities there and I love all of that. You know, the fact that, you know, I think Thunderbirds, I think a lot of these shows, you know, they're in these kind of fantastical worlds and you're sort of sometimes looking for a bit of a connection and other than you know doing this on pirate radio or the one i found hilarious as i got older i only found the films later on in life Mm. but seeing the little puppet cliff richard in the shadows in the film you know but again that's a bit of real life almost you know sort of seeping into that world isn't it um a bit like when the Beatles popped up on Doctor Who. There's one or two of these moments in in sort of television history. Um, so yeah. So as I got older, you know, and I, of course I did a lot in radio. I I suppose I, I hung on to it a bit because it was the Thunderbirds episode, all set around a radio
1: station. So yeah, love it. Yeah, amazing. Well, congratulations on our being being our first DJ inspired by. No worries. Yeah. And I bet
2: no one ever talks about poor old Ricochet. Shea. It was like the penultimate episode. I think it was the last action-packed episode they did. And uh, I think people... Yeah, there's not a lot, a lot of love for him, actually. Well,
1: well done for fighting his corner, Craig. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be very, very grateful. Uh, now, I have uh, here a delightful lunchbox, oh, which I'm sure, uh, yeah. as a regular listener and viewer you are familiar with but within this we've got lots of uh, questions from viewers yeah this is the bit i was
0: dreading what's in the space
1: 99 box well there's lots (laughs) people have lots of questions for you so would you like to pull one out at random we'll have a couple of questions from podsterons okay the podsteron questions this is scary are you going to read them no you've got to read them and and answer them right okay
2: (laughs) Right, this, uh, well, the hilarious thing about this one is this isn't like me interviewing you because you might know more about this than me. <laughs> um, but uh, I can t- I can answer half of this. Uh, it's about the network HD restorations. Okay. Um, so uh, Richard Goodborn, apparently, uh, this has come from a uh, Are you planning on adding networks HD restorations onto ITVX? And what other Anderson property would you like to give the HD treatment to? Ooh, so, I mean, the first thing I'd say is um, we would love to, but obviously, again, you, I talked earlier about rights and materials, and yeah. certain materials have been paid for by mm-hmm. certain uh, organizations. So, I think it's fair to say we always want the best quality stuff. So, we are actively trying to track down all of the restorations we could get. You you hugely helped us uh, track down, for example, the the, the, the full-screen Thunderbirds episodes, which we wanted to get on there in HD rather than the awful crops we all we all experienced. <clears throat> uh, you know, yep. uh, even as a punter, I remember going out and getting that. Um, and I know a lot of people didn't like those. I was kind of obsessive about trying to get it, but it was trying to put this patchwork of how you get hold of different people. So the short answer is yes, over time, as and when we can, we will. Um, and then the HD treatment, and and you know, you you were very involved in sort of space precinct and stuff. I mean, it's again, it's getting as good materials as you can, and we've got a brilliant. And I know they they they've spoken actually on on the podcast, but our sort of ITV content delivery. Uh, and remastering guys are amazing yes they um, are indeed and they are a, they're brilliant unsung heroes um, and uh, thank actually thanks to you and others it's great that their profiles building because they 've got the equipment they 're sitting on some amazing stuff and it 's an active conversation at the moment which is the AI one, which is the key for me now is once upon a time, I never thought we'd be able to make something that was SD HD. It had to be shot on film yeah. or shot as HD. And I'm now thinking, no, we might be able to. We might be able to go back over the archive and do that. It's going to take time, but yes. So the short answer is anything that's SD, one that I'd
1: love to see in HD. Good answer. I think we should maybe do a collaboration on the Secret Service Oh, the yes, materials there, yes, but it's, yeah. it's SD locked currently. Oh,
0: so okay,
2: yes. We, no. we should we should talk Yeah, about. we could look into that. I okay. mean, cuz it's a it's a curio, but it it did very well, you know, when we released it on Britbox. Yeah. And I find this in streaming a lot. If you find something it's not always the most popular thing. It's the thing that a lot of people haven't seen in streaming on a streaming service. You discover it, and because you're getting it all, you're not having to go and buy that one particular thing. You you find quite a big audience for it because it is a it's it's. I find it quite a lovable curio, really, lovable. As, as as a lot of people do. So yeah, I would not rule that out. We should. I'm sure there are conversations to be okay. had, Jamie. Let let's chat offline. It's doing a negotiation. I'm on, not doing it. Okay, the, let's let's on the, move on. Let's move
1: on. <laughs> take it one from the lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Right, this is Morty Vicar. He says hi, Craig. Very polite. Oh. Uh, this podcast has had many of the famous people sitting, uh, setting out their path in life because of Jerry Anderson's work. In the next few years, we have the 60th and 50th anniversaries of the most famous and well-loved shows of the Anderson universe. Now that they've come home to ITVX, I like that. They've yeah, come that's home. nice, isn't it? Uh, do you think there could be room for commissioning one or two more special documentary shows looking at the wealth of influence Jerry's shows have had? Um Look, I mean, again, I'm very open to it. I, you know, the the way it works is I oversee the strategy of ITVX and say the kind of content mix that we need. And with acquisitions, it's a little easier because you see finished tape and you go, let's buy that, that and that. We'll have these classic shows and you negotiate and try and get them. When it comes to commissioning, it goes through the ITV commissioning teams. Um because a lot of this stuff ends up on the TV as well. So I sort of give them a bit of a brief about what we're looking for. So, again, not out of the question. I always think a big anniversary really helps. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think we'd look into that. I think you do have to find something new. I mean, the reason I was so enthused about A Life Uncharted, the Jerry Anderson um documentary we we collaborated on uh, that was very exciting to me because it was a new take mm. it was real a real focus on the man it used new technology and and it was telling a new story and the only danger sometimes with commissioning a documentary is it just looks like all the other ones that just are a retrospective there. Right? yeah you have to have something new in there yeah uh, otherwise we could just go and license older documentaries and show those so yep. that's all i'd mm. say is we're always looking for some a new angle if you like okay Well, we'll
1: get thinking about that. (laughs) Uh, Again, I feel like you're turning this into a pitching meeting. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. We don't want to turn this into a business thing. (laughs) Okay, this is Ed
2: Tipton. He said, whose arm do you need to twist to convince ITV to put out an uncropped Blu-ray of the episodes as they appear on ITVX? Any extras, special features would be a nice bonus. OK. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I could just say we weren't making this to a business thing. And yeah, now yeah, it's, yeah, it's gone straight back to business. But, well, but,
1: I, but the fans always ask. Yeah, so. no, and,
2: it, and it's, a fair, it's a fair question. You know, look, um, ITV is an enormous organisation and I sit within the media and entertainment division, which is the, the TV channels and streaming, that side of things um and then we've got our studios division that are separate uh, and we commission shows from them and we buy programs from them um but I'm not as involved in that although I do talk to them so all I can say to Ed is uh, the next time I catch up with them I'll certainly make it known that the fans are, are asking for it um some of the recent restorations we've done we've done some film restorations mm. as well um we're doing in conjunction with uh, ITV studios because you know there could be Uh, future revenues you know Blu-ray or whatever from doing this so we are working collaboratively and in the spirit of that my experience is once the masters are there then studios will be a lot keener to use them but then it will have to hit their next release cycle I guess uh, of when they're planning to do something with a show so um, I'll definitely uh, Ed I'll happily raise it with them uh, because uh, I think we'd all like to see that and I think as I say once the materials are made and there it's much more likely to happen
1: yeah that sounds very promising. Yeah. Well, absolutely.
2: Crossed. And by the way, it works both ways. They'll um, remaster stuff for Blu-ray and then we're able to get those HD versions onto ITVX. So it, it does it does work well.
1: Yeah. Okay. And there, we you go, so there you go, Ed. Great question.
2: Yeah. Let's good have a question. couple
1: more, Craig. Okay. There's a lot of questions. Uh, yes. Yeah, so you're very popular.
2: Yeah. Wow. Here we go. This is uh, Steve Bushell. Uh, what's your favourite piece of Anderson merchandise? <sighs>
1: Oh, now this is a really,
2: this is a really good one because I always like the, the vehicles, you know, when you're mm. growing up. Um, but in, interestingly now, as I've got a bit older, you know, and you get your house or whatever, it all becomes about art. It all becomes about the um, stuff you have on the walls. And um, uh, a little while ago, there was a beautiful Thunderbird 1 sort of... Um, I think it was like a screen print, mm-hmm. um, and that adorns the wall at home, and I do uh. love that. Back to the vehicles, but instead of playing with them, it's now the art, and I think I love the art of, of a Stingray or a Thunderbirds or a Captain Scarlet. I was a big fan of the comics and stuff as well. You see you see it almost every day, every week in your life, don't you? I was, yeah. I was in a market yesterday, and there was a big pile of Thunderbirds comics from the 90s, and I had a little look through them, I may have bought one or two, um, but they are—they're beautiful. You know the the drawings and the artwork that go alongside oh, yeah. it. The the sort of uh, beautiful uh, hand drawn imagery you see in some of the the title sequences. I love all that sort of stuff. So so Anderson merchandise now is probably less about a, a figurine eagle or you know something very practical you can play with although i do love that stuff and i do have some of that stuff it's what what you can hang on the wall and okay. appreciate
1: so thing. the thunderbird one screen print wins out yes
2: it does for now it does for now that's that that's this That this sort of years but uh but yeah okay. I, I love anything that's beautifully presented the books even the, the blu-rays and the dvds i mm. love it all shall i tell you the weirdest bit of um, oh, yes. Anderson merchandise I ever got. Please. You know, when you make a purchase online and then something turns up and you think, What was I thinking? I bought on, in relatively early days of eBay. eBay sort of opened up the world, didn't mm. it, to, to all kinds of stuff you can get To mad purchases. It. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what the mad purchase was it was a Thunderbird slot machine from Japan. Oh, like a
1: pachinko, is that what they're yes, called? Yes,
2: yeah, pachinko, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And somebody must have bought and imported a load of them, and they were retailing quite cheaply. I I thought it wasn't really a ton of money because it was amazing. It was noisy, and you probably see where this is going. Once you put one of these, I put it in uh, the kids' little playroom, and they were Thunderbirds mad as well because my kids were young in this sort of late 90s, early Mm. noughties, so tail end of the revival DVDs coming out. Timing was perfect, even the movie which I wasn't a fan of. They yeah. They even loved that, you know. But um, <laughs> so I had a sort of toy room with them, and uh, I saw it online one day, and it wasn't a lot of money. But when it arrived, it, you can imagine an enormous heavy slot machine, um, but little video, and it played Thunderbirds, and they loved it, and I loved it. But it was very noisy. Yeah, they are. And, of course, then uh, a few years later when it started malfunctioning how do you how do you fix it and what you end up with is basically a very heavy shell of a fruit machine um but uh, that was the most bizarre bit of Anderson merchandise I think I I ever acquired uh, but I did love it for a few years it was just you know a couple of moves ago when it had just finally conked out I just had to 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 give up on it's it gone. sadly so it's gone now yeah Aww. Tragic. Yeah. It was tragic, but it was fun. It was just not the uh, not not the most uh, not the lightest bit of Anderson merchandise to take through a house move.
1: Okay, but well, fun while it lasted. Yeah. Uh, great. We've got one more. Okay, before we uh, wrap this one up. So make it a good one. Okay. Well,
2: this is from Earl Black, and he says, "Please bring Jerry Anderson contact to Britbox uh, content. Sorry to Britbox Australia. We have nothing here." Now, firstly, that's that's news to me, that there's no yeah. Anderson stuff on BritBox Australia. The good news is I do talk to colleagues in BritBox International. It's separate, actually, to BritBox in the UK. Yeah. BritBox in the UK is controlled by ITV. That's why it sits under ITVX. But internationally, it's a 50-50 venture with the BBC. So they are a separate company. But we do catch up from time to time. So I will start to lobby my colleagues at BritBox Australia to try and get some of this wonderful stuff on there. Yeah. Um, I think they'd be mad not to. I they, think right? so, yeah. yeah. Let's have a chat with them. So, yeah, Earl, I'll try my best. Great.
1: Uh, OK, so that became quite businessy. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's free things up yeah. with yeah. Uh, a very quick game right. of quick fire 5. OK. Are you ready, Craig? Yes. No. No, of course <laughs> well, not. Well, you're going to have to do it anyway. Right. So okay. make your choices. <laughs> your perfect day at work monitoring for distress signals from Thunderbird 5, or patrolling the ocean with Stingray's World Aquanaut Security Patrol? Deep
2: sea still scares me. And Thunderbird 5, I always thought, you know, it's kind of cool, right? So, uh, and it was one of my favourites, actually, in terms of craft. So Thunderbird
1: 5. So you're the John. Okay. Well, Uh, don't call me that, because no one one liked John. (laughs) No, No comment. Pick a guest for your next swanky dinner party. Thunderbird's Lady Penelope, or Parker.
2: Oh, it, it, I mean, it is tough, but Lady Penelope, she was one of my first proper crushes growing up. Do you know what I mean? You know, she's, okay. you know, beautiful, elegant, you know, so Lady Penelope probably. Let's so, hope- I'm not
1: sure I'd want her smoking at the table. Though. I was going to say, and let's hope Mrs Craig will forgive you that. <laughs> uh, which will be more useful at work, Father Stanley Unwin's minimizer shrink ray from the Secret Service or Thunderbird 2's tunnelling tool, The Mole? Oh. In ITV towers, what's going to be more useful? Yeah, yeah what,
2: what would be probably the shrinking thing. But I, 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 love, I love them all, and and that sort of burrowing underground thing. So, uh, I, I mean, we're actually built on the site of the uh, 1908 Olympics, where the ITV building is now. So maybe I could sort of borrow down there and uh, find find a bit of. Uh, Merchandise memorabilia from 1908 Olympics or something. That'd be fun. Okay. Uh, But no, just because
1: I want to get on the controls of the mole, I'd do the mole. And so useful at ITV as well. Yeah, a
2: good way of borrowing out of awkward meetings as well. There you go. There's a real
1: use. Uh, You've had your wallet stolen. Who would you rather call for help? Dick Spanner, PI, or Space Precinct Lieutenant Brogan?
2: Definitely Space Precinct. I mean, Dick Spanner, I'm not sure I'd trust him to do anything,
1: really. Bumbling fool. Yes. Uh, I mean Dick Spanner, obviously. (laughs) Uh, The agents from Spectrum are named after colours. Choose one of your own from the Dulux colour range. Are you Captain Milky Pale or (laughs) Lieutenant Lemon Punch?
2: I mean, I'm not a fan of either of
1: those. I don't, I'm not sure. I'm afraid those are choices, I'm not sure Craig. Milky
2: was ever a, a sort of, you know, the name of a, a heartthrob TV character.
1: What was the second one? Lemon? Lemon Punch. I'll, I'll take Lemon Punch. OK, Lieutenant. <laughs> lemon Punch it is. Thank you. Uh, Craig, that was your Quickfire Five did extremely well great choices Um, I would yeah the mole I'm still not so sure if that's useful at work Uh, we're going to have you back next time you will come won't you yes I will excellent I'm glad to hear it Uh, in the meantime where can Podstron's find you and or ITVX online well it's quite simple really I mean if you
2: just uh, type in ITV.com you'll get it there Uh, the app's everywhere um so yeah just look up itvx and uh do do have a look it's got a lot of stuff in there with adverts and then if you don't want it without the adverts you can obviously upgrade and i would always recommend that because of brit box i mean there are thousands of great shows there um so that that's always the one i'd recommend to people but yeah
1: come come and have a view that's the way to get Space Precinct, anyway. So that's what you should obviously
2: it, do. It, it is, it is. It's housed, it's housed under BritBox. I should say, you know, to start with, we like putting the shows as a bit of a treat, if you like, for BritBox. It, it really fits. And then over time, you know, some of these shows will eventually, I'm sure, end up in the in the free to air tier. But we can't sort of put everything there. So yeah, the the special treats like the new, the all new looking uh, Space Precinct is there.
1: There you go. Go have so a watch. cough up podstrons. Uh, right, Craig, you've got to hang around and press the randomizer button in a bit for Chris. But Look Look for now, to it. thank you very much. Thank you.
0: There, Craig Morris, we'll be back again next week. Well done, you. Well, no, no, not how, at all. How was it? Craig was great. Yes. I was, you know, slightly no. below average. Oh, no, no you've got everything in. You've got uh, super identification Did in. Did I? Uh. You've got uh, um, quick fire five in. Yeah, of course. Uh, you've got viewers' and listeners' questions mm. and a bit of chat. A little bit of chat. Yeah, yeah. Great. yeah, I'm sure I forgot to ask a few things. No, nah, but, but you can do it next week, can't you? Yes. What an interesting one it was. Thank goodness. Yeah, so. it's just so nice. Anyway, it's... thanks, Craig, for popping along. Uh, talking of popping along, let's pop along to our Facebook group. <laughs> Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podsterons. Answer a few questions. Yeah. We'll let you in. You can join in the fun. The podsterons post pictures of their merch, of their cosplay, uh, reviews of their favourite episodes, and sometimes just general chat about life, which is nice. Isn't it nice? Yes. It's a nice, yeah. easygoing place. Yeah. By
1: the way, your segues are getting better and better every
0: week, I must say. Talking of segues, uh, Earl Black has uh, got in touch uh, via our Facebook group to say, Apologies, I'm still catching up on podcasts. Uh, I just heard the Anton Phillips one. Yes, a oh, few that weeks was ago. was like a year ago, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, oh, come on. Anton Phillips from Space 1999, of course, joined us for a couple of weeks. Uh, I was so happy to hear Jamie mention my plea to please, please have Terry Adlam on some more. Mm. I'm looking forward to a very Terry Christmas. Aren't we all? And more appearances, if he's able, would be good. Uh, Thank you all. You're amazing, says uh. Earl. I've got a pun standing by for months and months now that I can't wait to use in honour of Terry's appearance. Uh. A pun standing by for the puns. Yeah. Steve Bushell replied, Well, Terry will be back for Christmas by popular demand. I've just bought a special tool for measuring his puns. It's a seismograph. Oh, I see the spelling of size there. Yeah, that's clever. <sighs> nice. Uh, not only will Terry be with us for Christmas, he'll be with us on Christmas Day, actual Christmas Day. December 25th, for those of you who don't know when Christmas Day is. It's it's a Monday. Yeah, yeah. Monday this year. So uh, our Christmas special edition of the Gerry Anderson podcast will be appearing, dropping into all your podcast pockets and wallets on Christmas Day. (laughs) In your podcast receptacles, perhaps. (laughs) So I wonder how many of you will actually be watching and listening on Christmas Day. I wouldn't mind if you left it till Boxing Day. Yeah, Don't feel you've got a, you know... Just because it's there. Yeah. Save a for Boxing Day. With your turkey soup. Do whatever you like. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Yes. uh, Can we do this one? Yeah, go on. (laughs) Stuart
1: James Lasher Mm. also wrote on the Podsterons Facebook page. Excellent. Good for him. Evening Podsterons. Oh, evening. I thought I'd show everyone this picture I found. Oh, yeah. From the Daily Mail TV Weekend magazine. Oh, yes. F A B S -S I G P W R S P A 1010. And what was that about? Uh, The the quote here is Thunderbirds makes you nostalgic not just for the days when you dreamed of piloting an armour-plated rocket but for a time when technology inspired faith rather than fear Then again, it does get harder to suspend disbelief about the threads holding up Gerry Anderson's puppets
0: I mean, that's a bit of a switcheroo mid-review, isn't it? I know,
1: bizarre Well, to which X06 Future Spy Yeah I think that's a pseudonym uh, replied, I'll never understand all the gags about seeing the strings. I think I notice them once when I start watching, but after that I'm too wrapped up in what I'm watching to notice. Well, quite. I was having this discussion last weekend at Scale Model World. Were you? People saying within 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah the wires are invisible, yeah. they're no longer puppets, they are characters that you care about and wish yes, to succeed. But
0: that's like saying, well, you know, I won't watch Spider-Man because, you know, I can't suspend my disbelief parcel, you know, the CGI. Yeah. Or watching an animation, watching a favourite cartoon. I mean, we're, well, that's just what we do. We use our imagination and just... If, I mean, it's the Daily Mail, what do you expect? Critical analysis. John Jackson <laughs> has an idea for some merch, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, I've got an ear free. I'd love a set of figures from Anderson series that are just solid plastic with no movable parts, like the Kellogg's Thunderbirds figures. Says John. That's a very specific request, John. We can't currently do that. Mm. However,
1: mm. Uh, as we saw from Scale Model World last weekend, yes, Troy and Phones, yes, oh yes, solid mm. resin, mm. hand painted, mm. twelve inches. Right. Yeah, uh, they're very smart. So, are they? You know, we sort of have taken that aspiration of small plastic figures and made them
0: big. Yeah, resin, yeah, all right, <laughs> but they're very cool. Yeah, but wouldn't it be little little collectible things? Yeah, maybe. Be, but plastics a bit of an issue, isn't it? Isn't that? A bit yeah, of a do we problem? want to make to... more plastic? Did you know that every bit of plastic ever made is still around? Yes, doesn't biodegrade everything plastic that you've ever had. Take
1: hundreds of years, isn't it? Still
0: around. Yeah, that's the problem. So maybe we've got to make some compostable figures. A Compostable figure. There are bioplastics we could use. Anyway, Mm. yes, thank you, John. Sorry, sorry, this is another conversation. Now uh, we've already mentioned, of course, the death of uh, sad death of David Elliott. Mm. Trevor Knight yeah. commented,
1: Oh, this is such sad news. A real giant of TV. I always remember seeing his name on the credits of Thunderbirds epi- uh, episodes as a child. Rest in peace, David.
0: Yeah. Uh, John Puntney says, Sad news, directed one of my favourite episodes, 30 minutes after noon. His legacy across the shows he directed will live forever. Thank you, David. Which mm. is a thought, isn't it? Uh, And Stuart James Lusher rounds them off with sad news. R.I.P.
1: David, he was one of my favourite directors. He directed three of my favourite episodes of Thunderbirds, City of Fire, Vault of Death and The Duchess Assignment, F.A.B. There you
0: go. Yeah, so maybe, you know, in his honour, in his memory, watch a favourite episode of Thunderbirds. Yeah. Why not? What a nice thing to do. Yeah, great. Uh, Now, uh, I think it's time that we really hand it over to the real reason that everyone watches. And listens. And listens. Are people still listening? Yes. Well, I know they are because I see the figures. Yeah. We're roughly about two thirds people watching and a third people listening, aren't we? Is that how it works? Just about, yeah. Oh. It varies, but that's about it. Interesting. And of course, some of those people, as you mentioned earlier, will be listening and watching. Yeah. Interesting. But I bet they all watch this bit.
1: Of course they do. Yeah. They're
0: all here to see the randomizer so, aren't they? So if you've, if you've scrubbed past the previous uh, 40 minutes, I don't blame you. But here we are. <laughs> it's what you've been waiting for. It's Chris Dale and his amazing randomizer.
4: Oh, do you, Chris? So great, thank you for joining me on the Randomizer sofa. I have to ask, it's this idea of having lots of Jerry Anderson shows in one place, yeah. available at the touch of a button, Yes, you now do on ITVX, did you get that from anywhere? It an well,
2: instant? it might have been partly
0: influenced,
2: yeah, maybe, okay. yeah, by the well. old uh, randomiser. So, you know, well,
4: you know, yeah, I possibly. enjoy ITVX, yeah, as I'm sure good, many of our viewers good. do, so now it's time for your turn to enjoy pressing the button on the randomizer. I mean, this is a big moment in my life, you know, I know. You you press, press it's, the button. Yeah, so. Just it's take it easy, it's alright. Ready? So all right. yep.
2: we, we going in? Yep. Whenever you're ready. Oh, anything in particular you're hoping for today? Oh, actually, a bit of stingray. A bit of stingray. That'd Ooh, like a be a nice. Stingray. Yes. Yeah, but, um, oh. 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 well. Oh, but not stingray. It's not no, to be. It's not today. It's uh, UFO. It's UFO. But I do love a bit of UFO. Quite an early episode. It's the DanoTech
4: affair. Ah. But any UFO is good UFO. Yes. Thank you very it. much. Thank and you. And you'll come back next week. We'll do. Uh, we'll see if we can improve on that. Happy to find something Happy even to. better. Yeah, we'll do. Thank you very much. <laughs> So, we welcome back to The Randomizer UFO. I'm wearing the right shirt. And we open with Dr. Frank E. Stranges, who uh, is being interviewed by Keith Ford. Uh, We've spoken about him on the podcast before, back when this was an audio-only podcast. Uh, He was the focus of a fab fact. Uh, He's a real, was a real UFOlogist. who happened to be visiting the studio while this was being filmed so they very hastily cobbled together this scene to make use of the fact that he was there uh, and to i suppose lend a bit of uh, credibility to the production but um, as we discussed in that fab fact um, dr frank strangers had some interesting made some interesting claims um yes uh, it's not obvious from this episode i mean it, it is kind of obvious that this is just padding uh, it's not obvious from this episode that he's not quite on the level because this stuff it, it all sounds very credible if you re- look at this series now 50 years on without knowing anything about him you uh, you wouldn't necessarily know that this was a man who at the time was claiming to have been aboard a real life uh, alien spacecraft, be friends with a real alien. I can't remember the alien's name. We did cover the whole thing in that fab fact, so uh, go and seek it out. Meanwhile, uh, that totally unrelated, well, almost totally unrelated, bit of uh, business out of the way, we find Foster in a pub, oh, not pub, a restaurant somewhere, uh, bumping into a, a lady that he seems to recognise. Uh, it's a very interesting restaurant. Uh, firstly, if you are familiar with costumes in this episode, or in the series rather, um, you can recognise a lot of familiar costumes in the background. Uh, that guy in the background, just behind Annick is wearing one of Paul Foster's own costumes. I don't know
0: but she doesn't know
3: me. Yes,
4: they've spotted a uh,
3: a lady in the
4: restaurant. The Dialotech affair. The Dialotech affair. Uh, it's all a little bit cheesy, some of this, but this is groovy. <sighs> I, yeah, I, I just love the funkiness of the music in this show. I think in a moment, actually it's sort of it you think it's done, it becomes very calm, and then it starts going again. But uh, yes, this is a moonbase heavy episode. Uh, I think this is only about the 7th or 8th episode filmed. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Filmed under the title Crater 236, which we'll later find out is... uh, um, Well, I don't think either title is particularly standout. The Dalatech Affair makes the episode sound more interesting than it perhaps is. I also wonder if the name Dalatech is... uh, in some way, just slightly inspired by the Daleks, but probably not much. Anywho, it's another busy day on Moonbase. Um, it's also another episode where Gabrielle Drake is not present, so Thank you. Paul Foster is in the centre seat. No,
3: that's
4: all. Wow. Do we have a sighting? Oh? Oh. See, that that sound effect is a sound effect that I associate with telephones in this series. (coughs) Makes me wonder who's relaying the sightings? It's not Sid. Normally you would get a red alert, UFO 428 We have one here. We have lots of things here and occasionally we remember to use them on camera. That was shot for Flight Path, that's an alternate take. Condition red! He gives it a bit more gusto than he did in uh, Flight Path. But I think somehow it works better in Flight Path. And this is the episode, that shot of the three UFOs going past, I just suddenly thought I didn't have a mic on. Uh, This episode is the source of that shot of three UFOs going past and one of them dropping something because you suddenly have this very bright star in the middle of the screen and they reuse that shot again and again and again sorry I've got to Um, and it got so annoying because it's so it's such a story specific shot the the UFOs are dropping something it's you know spoiler alert it's a communication disrupting device that's going to move off and land on the moon but um, yeah it's just it turns up all over the place that that shot I think it was possibly even in uh, episodes before this one there it is there's the star in the middle of the screen and as yet they haven't established that that is something out of the ordinary I guess at the time on a black and white tv that was about like that big you wouldn't notice it but now, you, every time you watch this show, ready? There it is, right in the middle of the screen. You can't miss it. That there's suddenly a star in the middle of the screen that wasn't there a moment ago, and is brighter than all the other stars around it.
3: Where are they heading? According to the readings, back the way they came.
4: Wow. Hmm. So who who phoned in the UFO sighting? Was was Melox the busy that week and couldn't voice Sid?
3: Interceptors returned to base.
4: No. Paul's not happy. You don't get anything to blow up. It's not fun.
3: Well, did we scare them off? It'll be the first time. So what happened? Is anybody's guess? Guess? With a hundred million dollars worth of computer equipment at your fingertips, you still have to
0: guess? Oh. Sometimes, yes.
4: Yes, this is um, in that period of the space... I was, oh God, I was, I was nearly about to say this is the period in the space journey. My brain was anticipating the line that Ed Bishop was about to say. Um, and now I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. Oh yeah, this is that period in the series, there's the star, yeah. Is this where we find out? Yeah, this is the, this is the only shot in the entire series where that shot is actually relevant. They reuse it again and again. It bugs the hell out of me. Um, Yeah, this is uh, in that period in the series where Straker is still very much stuck behind a desk. Uh, Later on in this episode, he will come out from behind the desk. I believe he may even use a ruler, but it's nothing nothing extensive yet.
3: Meteorite? Looks like it. Definitely a meteorite. With an ETT in area 017213,
4: Okay, Yeah, this is still at the point of the series where uh, they've not quite got the hang of pacing in this yet. Lots of video conference calls. A
3: what? A meteorite. You video to tell me that? Its ETT is almost directly on top of the Dalatec installation.
4: I don't think actually um, George Sewell is even in this episode all that much. He's in the beginning and end. I'm not sure he's involved with much of the rest of it.
3: Bring any of them back to the base. Use the
4: amnesia procedure. So, there's a base on the Moon. Contact
3: the Dalatech unit.
4: Dalatech unit. How long to impact? Uh, this is some kind Dalatech of mining it. company. And I like this idea that you this is a future where we don't just have the one shadow moon base. Uh, we do have other organizations on the Moon. I think this is the first episode to establish that. And we also have, in the responsibility seat, there's a a Russian rig rolling around up there as well, and a Russian base, in fact.
3: The recorders are all in circuit.
4: And yes, we have this small group of Danotech operatives.
3: good.
4: Who've borrowed the shadow space suits, oddly enough. And they catch sight of the meteorite, hurtling towards them very fast. Kaboom. Yay. Ah. Whoever said there was no sound in space, they didn't know what they were talking about. Um, so.
3: Let's take a look.
4: You can tell they work for Dalatech, because they have Dalatech written across the spacesuit there.
3: I've told Forster to keep Moonbase on green alert for the next few days.
4: Oh. There's George Sewell, having Thank said that he's not the in the episode Dalatech
3: much. Oh, don't talk to me about Dalatech. Hmm. I've been avoiding their president all morning. Oh. What do you got against them anyway? They shouldn't be allowed up there, Alec. A private corporation has no business on the moon. Wow. Besides, all the valuable mineral deposits were taken away long ago. No.
4: <laughs> yes, we mined no, the whole thing between uh, and 1972 no, and 1973. All wow. All right, wow. So Straker is not happy. What else is new? Um, but inside the crater, crater 236,
3: in fact. Statistically, that was a 50,000 to one shot. Yeah, a meteorite that size would be. I suppose if we finish this session, we'd better go back and check the base. A piece of debris could have punctured the outside pressure skin.
4: Well, we could wait here and uh, wait till the smoke clears and see what's in there. Nah, let's just go.
3: Hmm. Straker. You're a difficult man to contact, Commander.
4: President Barusser? Uh, Yes, it's uh, actor Philip Latham, who was uh, President Barucha in The Five Doctors and was in tons of other things.
1: Simply um, wanted to establish contact, Commander. Yeah, the
4: interesting actor. Uh, there's a lot of recognizable actors, particularly from Doctor Who, in this, uh, this story.
3: Any trouble whatsoever, I shall demand its immediate withdrawal. My team will be on the move for a period of 10 days. What can happen in that time? My command has a complex and hazardous mission. The presence of civilians in the area could easily jeopardise our security operation.
4: Why is Straker handling this? Aside from the fact that, you know, Ed Bishop is the series lead. Again, it's one of those things where you think, hold on a second. As far as this guy knows because he's just the head of a mining company.
1: I'm quite sure there'll
3: be very little contact with your
4: What does he know about Straker other than the fact that he is the head of a movie studio?
3: To, degree. to render. All what
4: does? I mean, yes. from the from that guy's point of view, you must think, why is the head of a movie studio calling me up and telling me off about my mining base on the moon? What the heck business is it for him? Why is he talking about a military operation? I, I mean, shadow security is for the most part very tight throughout this series, but just occasionally you get those uh, those moments where it makes. No sense for them to to not be uh particularly strict about it
3: Teletech survey Base. Colonel Foster for you this is Colonel Foster. Oh. We monitored a meteorite in your area. We saw it land quite large approximately nine Yes, this is actor
4: David Weston who had previously appeared in Doctor Who uh, in the massacre, and then he was later. Oh, I don't remember the character's name. He was in Warrior's Gate playing one of the, the alien characters whose Nobody name remembers. I also don't remember. Yes,
3: so.
4: This guy, uh, actor Clinton Grain, uh, again was in Doctor Who. He was Stike, Stike, about Stike about the Sontaran and in um, sure don't The Two Doctors.
3: What they were keeping right out of their way, yes. putting it strictly to the book.
0: Fine.
4: Um, <laughs> for which you got to go to Seville and uh, probably sweat profusely <laughs> while dressed as a Sontaran.
3: Make sure they're following the agreed procedure. Don't make it too easy for them.
4: Ooh, communications disruptions.
3: What's going on? Loss of signal. Run equipment check. Breakdown in moonbase video link.
4: I don't know why I said that except for the benefit of the audience because I'm in here on my own.
3: Switch in the emergency
4: link. But this is something that happened a couple of times in early episodes of UFO that I do kind of like. In this, and I think also conflict, you have um, Moonbase and Shadow Control on Earth separated from each other. Here's another Doctor Who actor, uh, and one that I find particularly interesting to talk about. Uh, This is John Breslin, who was Captain Monroe in Spearhead from Space. Uh, and I I believe he spoke uh, like five or six different languages but he also there was a a clip from an old um, sort of not chat program but sort of discussion program from the 60s the very late 60s Uh, it was on YouTube for quite a while but it's not there anymore in which he spoke about the portrayal of gay characters in television, and he got quite passionate in railing against the, the sort of prevailing stereotypes um, that, were, that he felt were you know, anything but helpful. And it was, it was quite a strong and powerful speech that he gave. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that clip is available anymore. Um, but a very interesting man in a very small role in this episode.
3: And it all fitted. No. Have you considered the possibility of outside interference? No. Leave me alone. No. Just an idea. Ah. Tech. Oh, I Ah. Mean, They're operating on limited frequencies. They could be violating the agreement. Is there a way to check? Just one.
4: I'm going to go over there and show them my sideburns. Uh, and this is uh, actress Tracy Reed playing. I think her name's Jane Carson. What is it? Um
3: shouldn't we receive a visit from the military?
4: Uh, one of the most, I would say, prolific smokers to ever appear in this show. Um, it seems like every scene she's got a cigarette on the go. And even for, even for this series, she, there's a lot of smoking coming from her in this story. Um, it's always funny to see uh, people smoking in highly pressurized environments in the show. I also find this quite funny. Foster turns up and just stares at them as if that's going to sort of you know if I stare at you you'll admit your crime won't you you naughty people. So with a breakdown in communication between Moonbase and Earth,
0: we'll check that, Miss
4: Foster's immediate response is to just blame whoever happens to be nearest. The
0: geoscanner means a complete write-off for all our work. I have to be persuaded there was adequate reason for so drastic a step.
4: I guess they are mapping the moon or or searching for mineral deposits. I'm not entirely sure what they're actually doing here. Um, But they have this thing called the geoscanner, which seems to be taking a lot of the blame for what's happened.
3: And now you want to check us. Can you think of a more logical step Run another communication check on Moonbase, will you, Alec? You ordered a continuous check 30 minutes ago. Mm. Yes, yes. Wow.
4: Well, doesn't well, look like anything see. much is going to happen anytime soon.
3: I will. But not until that video link is back.
4: Wow. It's a lot of, uh. a lot of sitting around and pressing buttons at the moment.
3: Well, you've examined the frequency settings, Colonel. I think they prove that we followed the agreement of the
0: letter. It proves that you haven't intentionally been operating
3: on...
4: A it's a nice set, this uh, Dalatech control paper, room. Uh, a bit TARDISy in terms see see of see this console in the middle of the room. I can imagine. Ooh. Yes, having yeah. examined the equipment, exactly Colonel Foster is now doing, well, resorting to so the typical stage two of any defense. Colonel Foster plan. Investigate the nearest beautiful woman.
3: It seemed the logical conclusion. Well, I'm glad we've been able to change your mind. So am I. Except mm. now it means I'm back at square one.
4: No. Have to find someone else to counter. Well, have to
3: excuse me, Colonel. I have the seismic meters to service. But I'll leave you Miss Carson's capable hands. You have any questions? Please ask her. All oh. right, Colonel.
4: So do we smooch now or leave it till the end of the episode?
3: Jay. Up here formality
4: is a little superfluous. Four. Right. Four. It's <laughs> just waiting, like you know. kissy time, no? Hmm.
3: And I can see I'm right. And I suppose
4: And Tracy Reed is, is an actress, actress I, I like in, in other things. She right. never sort of exactly yeah. sets the yeah. screen yeah. alight.
3: How can you? We're 50 kilometres away.
4: But I mean, she was uh, in a, an ITC series, Man of the World, and she was the sort of sidekick to, to Craig Stevens, who was a, uh, an international photographer. And it was sad to see as the series progressed, she was basically kind of phased out. And then by the second series, I don't think she even appeared.
3: But you'll have to take our word for it that we're not transmitting.
0: I'll take your word for it.
3: Honestly, I don't think we're to blame Paul. I've been very careful. So have Mark and Phil. Well, we'll install the landline immediately. Yeah, we can have some chats. i wait for your first call.
4: Oh, oh, here comes a young angry man. Let's oh, go. <laughs> I like the bunk beds.
0: Yeah, I think I've seen about everything. Are you
3: satisfied?
4: Look at the woman and... Very. Yes. Ah. It's, it's all, you know, textbook. It's from the, the Paul Foster book of picking up women. It's uh, every stage is, uh, is outlined in this episode.
3: Meeting for Commander Straker. Moonbase contact re Yes, sir. So, stand by for video circuit
4: Shadow Control and Moonbase can see each other again. Foster is heading home. Oh no, they're laying down the telephone cable, aren't they? Uh. Hmm. because it was so riveting the first time let's see that shot again yeah good stuff all right so this is um uh, shadow moon mobile is now running cable from shadow moon base to dalatec Okie dokie. which means that Paul will now be able to phone up um, Miss Carson whenever he feels like it.
3: Landline installation complete, sir.
0: Right.
4: I'm going to phone up Miss Carson, because I feel like
0: it. Gotta take base? How's reception?
3: Well, our own private <laughs> life, I'm flattered.
0: Tell me, Jane,
4: um, Gosh, he can make any line sound like a proposition. Well, I know but this is a nice bit as well, um, market
3: market. with
4: Joan listening in. How about
3: dinner? Do they have fettuccine? Beautiful fettuccine. And a fat Italian mama who does all her own cooking. You've been there. <laughs> I'll reserve a corner table. And we'll sit and look at the stars. And our only problem will be... How the devil do we eat fettuccine through a quarter-inch space visor? Ah, well, listen, I've got a moonship wow. coming soon, so I'll,
4: uh, I'll have to be going. <laughs> you have to imagine the conversation wouldn't proceed in, in quite the same we way if uh, Straker were yeah. in the room at this moment. And now we have uh, a Lunar Module coming in. Everybody knows I love the Lunar Module. I love how slow it is. I love how it eats up screen time. Um, I love how beautiful it is. I love the Lunar Module. But uh, at the controls of the Lunar Module is an actor who has previously appeared in the series. He was a controls pilot in Conflict, not a shadow control. pilot. Landing. I have a feeling Landing. he was in another episode as well. Um, but that escapes me at the moment. That prop is, uh, that console is reused from Conflict as well because they misspelled computer on it.
0: Landing is good.
3: Thank
4: you, control. On computer. Oh no, oh, the communications are going wibbly again. <laughs> All the button pressing in the world.
3: Radio malfunction.
4: Doesn't do anything to help.
0: Switch to manual.
3: Control to mo-
4: So despite the fact that he's lost contact with Moonbase, the pilot decides probably just go ahead with the landing anyway. Because any uh, what's the worst that could happen?
2: Hmm.
3: Switch to manual. We have radio blackout. This is Lunar Module, I repeat, Lunar Module. And
4: we're coming up on the first Lunar Module disaster of the series. Uh, No, no, because that was conflict, wasn't it? This is the second uh, Lunar Module disaster of the series. They were quite frequent. Um, Luckily, no main characters are aboard. And Foster's solution, very much ahead of its time, is to try to turn everything it's off and switch it back module. on again. And this stupid pilot uh, still doesn't get the idea that maybe.
3: Lunar module switching back to manual
4: control. There we go. Turn the engines back on. But it's uh, it's too late. Oh dear. Yeah, I, I really don't like the lunar module. It's just that. It's an ugly slug of a vehicle and it doesn't really fit the, the sort of rest of the design aesthetic of the series. Um, and I, I don't feel that UFO generally has a sort of unified design feel. Every major vehicle kind of feels like it belongs in a slightly different series, but the Lunar Module, I just, as soon as I see it I feel sleepy because I know whenever it turns up it's going to just eat up screen time. Uh, so I'm happy to see it explode. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, to do what? Oh, send another rescue unit out there. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not good. Phone making a different ringtone noise every buzz.
3: But everything was turned off except the geoscanner, and that wasn't transmitting.
4: Oh, dear. Instant blame on the geoscanner.
3: I see. What's wrong? Colonel Foster's coming straight over. There's been an accident at military base. Moonship. The radio blacked out, and all the crew were killed. Oh, dear.
4: This is quite poignant, where there are investigating the wreckage of the lunar module and they find uh, one of the pilot's wallets. a photo of his family in there. Uh, yeah, wife and two kids. I say
1: your
4: For whom daddy will not be coming I home. I was just wondering actually if the, if the extra who picks up that wallet that he looked a bit like the um, the guy who shot the alien at the end of survival. Probably isn't, but...
3: And
0: I do have the authority.
3: But the project's almost completed. Yeah,
4: whatever it is we're doing, we're nearly done doing it. Yes, Paul Foster wants to uh, switch off the geoscanner.
3: I can't allow this. Those circuits are irreplaceable. Exactly. Oh. I'd like to speak to your commanding officer. There isn't the time, and it wouldn't matter anyway. The circuits come out.
4: Yeah, Going back to that thing of Straker handling um, uh, communications with the head of Dalatech, I just feel that there should be someone Maybe. he could delegate that to.
3: Heard the last
4: of that. Or he could use a different name. It's just so strange that he phones up on camera and gives his name. And if, he, if the guy at the other end of the line had said, hang on, you're you, you're the guy who makes movies. What are you doing phoning us up and threatening a threatening our project and telling us about your military base. I don't know. Questions might have been asked.
3: So what do we do now? What can we do? Carry on as best we can until we receive further instructions from Blake. Blake. In the meantime, we can go out and collect our equipment from the surface. Bye. Phil, you take the area we worked on yesterday. Jane, you go with him. And I'll do the section by the new crater.
0: Okay. Mm. So,
4: equipment collection. Yeah, I get the feeling this isn't a, a popular episode with many people. I kind of like it up to a point, but there is some, some padding. Uh, and unfortunately, we haven't really reached the, the most blatant example of it yet. As Clinton Grain stops and puts his hands on his hips, examines the lunar surface what's that down there it's a black cylinder with a little glowing green line on it (laughs) take some pictures of that
3: is it I'm not sure that matters the point is (laughs) kind of does it without blasting damaged by the meteorite how did it get into the crater Foster installed it then the crater's only been there for a few days now this is getting us nowhere we've got to decide what to do about it Hmm. Should we go outside and take a closer look
4: I was just gonna say let's go outside and wander around for a bit we're good at that meanwhile back on earth
3: The decision was taken by the commander on the spot. I support that.
4: Straker's having another conversation with uh, the head of Dalatech. Who knows that Straker's involved with the International Astrophysical Commission? Does he know about aliens? I don't know. It just seems like Straker should be delegating that communication to someone else. I mean, Alec is not doing much. And Meloxley is in this episode. So, who who raised the flag the first time the UFOs came through? Everything's okay. We have funky interceptor music. And, uh, yeah, this is at the point where I think Harry Baird has left the series uh, for one reason or another. So we have Gary Myers as, at this point, Lieutenant Lou Waterman, later captain.
3: We've picked up a UFO. Give me the trajectory coordinates.
4: And right on cue, there go the communications again. Oh dear. More button (laughs) pressing. Yeah, it doesn't exactly make for riveting television. Uh, Communication problems, computer resets, and uh, frantic button-pushing. (laughs)
3: Is going on? <laughs> again, sir. And the I
4: changed my suit. I can't be dealing with all this. I do like that suit on Straker, actually. I think that's uh, one of his better looks from the uh, the first half of the series.
3: Nothing,
1: sir. Wow.
4: This must have been thrilling at the time. Uh, And I I think on the whole generally I do like this episode. But I think possibly in spite of itself rather than because of anything. uh, I think it's partly it has a very interesting guest cast. There was John Breslin again. And this time we only have one UFO.
3: UFO maintaining course. Interceptors
4: can't even hear Sid.
3: Range, 20 million miles. Awaiting missing timing and attack. Oh.
4: I mean, we've all been there with uh, technical problems. Uh, in this very room where we record the Gerry Anderson podcast, in fact, we have had moments like this. Um, we have something that Shadow does not have, which is Ross, to uh, fix everything for us. But with nothing to do, really, Straker's just going to kind of pace around the room. And then, is he going to come to an idea?
3: Yes. Lieutenant Ford, will you come into the office?
4: I need to berate somebody, and uh, I find it fun to yell at you for a while. Yeah, here's where we come up on the padding.
3: That library material we were running through the other day, is it still set up? Yes, sir.
4: This is the episode that establishes that Lieutenant mind. Ford pre Shadow was a television interviewer.
3: Something that won't quite click in
4: Which never really came into play again in later episodes. Uh, there was a scene written for Confetti Check AOK when um, Ford was hosting uh, a, a discussion show about UFOs, and Nina Barry is one of the participants, and Straker arrives to recruit them both.
3: Um, Doctor strangers channel it into commander
4: strike I don't think they do enough to establish at the beginning that this is old archive footage with dr strangers um, dr. Strange from on Ford's 1990 pre-shadow 1990. career um, it just kind of looks like maybe he's got this you know, other job on the side um, and now we're going to spend a lot of time in Straker's office I remember all
3: this I see the second half.
4: Just watching Straker and Ford, watching old interview footage uh, of Dr. Strangers. Presumably they had to, uh, to kind of fast forward through the bits where he's talking about his alien friend. And it's such a long drag of a sequence um, when you consider that the point that they actually come to, The realization, the reason that Straker has called Ford in here to look at this material is because there's something in there that he remembers that is relevant to the situation they're in now. It's going to be some time before we we get back to this.
3: Oh dear. Maybe it was my interview with Dr. Bressinger from MIT. just a word, a phrase. could be phrase. they're so involved oh. in other things that they haven't quite seen the seriousness of the problem of UFOs. Let's just it's keep fact, watching it.
4: Yeah, it doesn't do much for these sequences either, the fact that you know, again, from our fab fact and uh, other writings by and about Doctor Strange that, Doctor um, Strangers, I should say. I do, I do think they, they called him Doctor Strange at, at one point there. Um, You know, that he was, uh, he did make some claims that were were slightly questionable in terms of their uh, believability, Um, so it's kind of amusing that the episode spends so much time with him, because they must have felt, oh yeah, he's a proper respectable UFOlogist. This lends a boost to our credibility, but uh, in retrospect, it really doesn't.
3: Yes, both our bases are in imminent danger. I'm
4: not happy about yeah, it.
3: Foster.
4: There's nothing else from the Dalek base oh, okay, that they can Lord. remove. Just
3: about to call you. You know that uh, installation of yours in that new crater. What installation? You. Crater two three six. Well, if there's an installation there, Tanner, it doesn't belong to us.
4: Oh no. So you must have put it in there, Tanner. I am suspicious of you again. Uh, advert break. Yep. Well, so we've got a UFO coming in. We've got moon base communications disrupted with Earth. And Straker and Ford are still in Straker's office watching old interview footage.
3: Estimated target proximity of moon One minute,
2: 50.
4: So, Foster's put the pieces together. There's an installation in Crater 236 that wasn't there earlier. Maybe someone should go out there and blow that up.
3: ...historical
4: interest. I'd love to see Straker's explanation for this later. Oh, it's very, very good work, Colonel. Uh, What did I do during this crisis? Oh, I was sat in my office watching uh, old uh, interview footage with a, a man whose claims were later debunked. It's all very interesting, Paul. Oh, we've got, he's found it ten feet. So what's the fascinating uh, the early line here?
3: Or sky balls, fireballs. The ancient Romans called them fiery disks.
4: <laughs> the it's a subtle That's way, to, way to, uh, to get the name of an old Anderson show in there. Or Nearly got uh, Thunderbirds in there, right? Yay! Oh, well, finally. Uh, wait, hang on. How would Straker know no. that that's Crater 236?
3: Yeah, Crater 236, one um, five.
4: Yeah. Um, um, maybe Paul Foster relayed the information to him that there was now a, a new crater, Crater
3: 236. Just as we hear that Moonbase is under attack from a UFO, radio contact is lost.
4: Now, I bought this... Uh, electronic globe I mean, space set sort of and I've only used it in one in previous episode, Lieutenant. So I'm gonna get it's some more video money's video, worth out of it today. Think that it was a yes. It is an interesting prop. I do like it. But you kind of get the sense in early episodes they're kind of trying to force it into episodes and I don't think they tried much more beyond this one because there's not really much you can do about or with that. Um, it was interesting to have the camera from behind the, the little prop there.
3: I assume Colonel Foster's thought of that.
4: And Colonel Foster has sent uh, two shadow nobodies in a moonmobile to blow up the thingy in crater 236. Hannah,
3: 90 seconds. No time for details, but I'm confirming we're going to detonate in crater 236. Be prepared for an explosive decompression. Ooh. Good luck.
4: So everyone's in their suits, time to put their helmets on. All
3: right, Put your helmet on. I still say Foster's up to something. We've
4: got no choice. Come on. Oh, and this is quite well done, the uh, explosive decompression bit. It's quite a, a good stunt coming up. <coughs> we just have to get past a little bit more uh, communication disruption to get there. Oh, nice shot of the interceptors. That's an unusual shot, actually. I don't recall seeing that much.
0: Come in, Moonbase.
3: The interceptors are in position. Awaiting timing and attack data.
4: (sighs) I'd like to get an AI... uh, Voice of Sid, programmed to uh, read audiobooks. He's got a lovely therapeutic voice, Mel
3: Oxley. Estimated proximity of Moonmobile. They should be on target just about now, Sid. My God, I'm pouting again.
4: He's done a lot of pouting this week. Oh, come on. Though the Moonmobile is another vehicle in this show, it's not quite as bad as the Lunar Module, but whenever I see it, I just sort of inside, I kind of go, oh, we're going to be here a while. But the Moonmobile has arrived at the crater with the alien thingy in. The Danotech team are bracing themselves by the console, um, waiting for the inevitable. That's it. Blown up the uh, alien installation and it's punctured a hole in the, uh, the Danatech base. The men are holding on to the, the central console but the woman got thrown across the room because uh, she's not a man. Uh, there was also a, a, a quick shot there that I think is, also appears in Ordeal when the, the UFO explodes. Uh, and as also it happens in the show, whenever there's explosive decompression, suddenly there's bits of newspaper flying all over the place. It's
0: coming through. Uh, yay. Contact
3: AOK okay trajectory 839274. Moonbase to interceptors. Switch to computer link for course correction and missile firing sequence.
4: Yay, it's time to blow things up.
3: Straker. We've reestablished contact with Moonbase, sir. Right.
4: Does that mean video time Moonbase is over?
3: What's the position? There was an alien device near the Dallatech base. Yes, we assumed as much. <laughs>
4: well, we have to use the <laughs> yes, I, I solved the problem oh, half an hour before you did, Paul. Been very clever that way. Ah.
3: <clears throat> Missile launch minus eight decimal five.
4: And again, the aliens have kind of shot themselves in the foot by only sending one UFO to deal with all this. I like that that shot of uh, the UFO being destroyed, though. Well done, Captain. Yay. I'm a captain now, am I? Oh, I thought I was a lieutenant. If you're gonna make me a captain, I'll, uh, I'll be captain of a skydiver, please. Yeah, I like that shot of the UFO blowing apart, because it's not that one Where sometimes they do in the show, they overlay an explosion, but you can still see the UFO spinning past.
3: Right, you'll have to use the amnesia procedure. I'll take care
4: of it. I'm way ahead of you on that one. Yeah, this is, I think, the earliest example of um, Paul Foster's questionable um, dating slash pickup routine. uh, yeah, it's always a bit creepy this, where he's met a woman, he's hit it off with her, and uh, then he has to wipe their mind or wipe their memory of their encounter with Shadow. But then afterwards he goes and takes advantage of the knowledge that he gets on well with her to, um, to, to ask her out afterwards. One line appearance there from Basil Moss as Dr. Fraser. And this scene is interesting because, as I understand it, this scene was the last scene filmed for the series at MGM Borenwood, or if not the last, one of the last. Um, there is footage of an earlier take where Tracy Reed is wearing a green wig. And I think if you look at um, Michael Billington in this scene, the sideburns are not... Cons- or the sideburns might be Stuck on and the rest of the hair is not consistent with the rest of the episode
3: well, the trouble We caused you losing that lunar module
4: So I guess there was a rewrite for this scene that someone didn't think it was Satisfactory enough Tracy Reed does an odd line read here There wasn't
3: anything we could have done but it
0: would have happened anyway
4: because I think that line She says there is supposed to be asked as a question to which Foster then replies we never did it would have happened she- anyway, but because Tracy Reed says it as a statement. Michael Billington kind of has nowhere to go. That's always stuck out to me, that line.
3: The amnesia shots. Uh, but there's nothing to worry about.
4: Because you will see me again. I will make sure of it. Brian Paul Foster. No woman is safe from my charms. Even a woman who doesn't remember me. Oh. Brief burst of old Thunderbirds music there
3: doo doo do, doo do, doo 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 hmm
4: and as she forgets all memory of the Tech affair don't know what she then thinks the the missing time she spent on the moon is going to be about uh, as she drifts off to dreamland she has her paul foster fantasy sequence uh every woman has them now and again uh where she is in a purple void spinning around her lips locked against those of Paul Foster oh it's so magical and this is old uh, Stingray music as well Ah, and we're back where we started with uh, Alec and Paul in the restaurant Alec, apparently, has also forgotten everything that happened because Paul has to explain it to him.
3: Thank you. So the Dalatec team stayed on for a couple more days.
4: What, after you gave them the uh, amnesia treatment? That seems counterproductive. (laughs)
3: How does that old song go? Love's more beautiful the second time around. Just as wonderful with both feet on the ground.
4: Excuse me. He's going to do it, yeah. <laughs> this is the first time he does it, so you can kind of forgive it once, but I think he does it like three times over the course of the series.
3: Paul Foster, now I would say you are some kind of geologist.
4: It's just kind of creepy that he's taking advantage of knowledge of her, that, that she will never know where it comes from, oh dear. It's quite a fabulous hairdo she's got going on there. And as we leave the Dalotech affair, the Dalotek affair. Um, yeah, I have to say that is, it's never gonna be one of my favorites, that one. I can kind of see that the series is progressing from its earliest beginnings, but ooh, it's just, this is one of those episodes where you really want to kind of just get hold of it and give it a solid kick up the backside and say, look, you've got you've got good stuff here, you've got good people, you've got good ideas. Just pick up the pace a little. And, and to be honest, if, if I were gonna sort of take this episode and fix it, and I wouldn't dare because it's like, you know, not qualified, uh, I would say the first thing to go would be get rid of all the Doctor Stranger stuff and add actual substance rather than just the endless padding. So, you know, it's still an enjoyable episode. It's not one of the greats, but it's also not one of the worst. It's kind of just below average.
0: Well, that was Uh, random.
1: God, it was random. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Just how random these things are. And it's
0: almost as if the randomizer is a machine that pulls a random episode out of a Jerry Anderson series. Yeah. Every Except week. occasionally
1: when I feel like it might not be
0: random. Do you think it's given it a bit of a nudge? Do you think it's like one of those, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Those things, machines, we used to call them. One, oh yes, a, a fruit machine. Yes. Yeah. you give it a nudge if you yeah. want it? Yeah. Ching. Yeah. Do you Chris with the randomizer? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like torture a, and Just gives it a little bit of. A, uh, yeah.
1: Uh, U.F.O. It just uh, thumps uh, it. That's mm. why it's got so many dents in the front of it. But. Or like a, a mulligan in golf. I, mean, I don't know you're what close, you're talking about When you're now. close to the hole and you just push it in with your foot. A
0: mulligan? I think that's what it's called. Who's that named after? Uh, someone mulligan, I guess. A mulligan? I'm what? sure that is a thing. I'm going to ask my father-in-law, a big golf player, he'll know.
1: Okay, yeah, see. I'm, I'm, I'm getting that from playing... Microsoft Golf in nineteen ninety six. Okay, so, so So it may not be true. Could not be a thing.
0: Charlotte's got her phone out, I can see it at the corner of my eye, so she's googling it even now. Okay, fine. Well uh, let's let's keep padding for a bit and then we'll have the answer well, shortly. anyway, the
1: good news is
0: you might be sad that we're almost at the end of the podcast. I'm not, but <laughs> fear not, because we're back again next week. Are we? Second part of your interview with Craig Morris. Yeah. Another fab fact, mm-hmm. another randomizer. Uh. I know, he gets through them, doesn't he? At a rate of knots, almost one a week. <laughs> That's amazing. And of course, more from our lovely Podstron. So do That's get in touch, bit. podcast at jerryanson.com. We love to hear from you, even after all these years. I feel like we, you know, we go back a long way, you we and do. I. Don't we? Well, and, and me. Yeah, you're, you're in there somewhere as well. But chiefly, it's a relationship between me and okay. Podstron. I love uh, we do go back a long way. We love to hear your thoughts and we'd love to read them out. Mm. So, yeah, email us. Okay, and do a review and a revating and all that, please. All that, yeah, yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, we haven't seen one for a little while.
0: Okay, well, do it now.
1: Now. Cool then. Please. Still here. Anyway, let's wrap up and maybe we can find out the answer to the Mulligan thing after the credits. All right, yeah. (laughs) Bye. See you next week. Bye. (laughs)
3: Let's get started. Let's go.
2: Spectrum is green.
1: So, a mulligan. A mulligan, which apparently I had an incorrect (laughs) memory and definition of. I'm not surprised at all. What is it then? We've got multiple different definitions here. Yeah, It's Uh, like QI, isn't it? The randomizer says it's a stew made from odds and ends. So not golf-related at all. No. Thank you, Chris. But The Great Charlotte. Charlotte the Great. Says it's actually a replay from a previous spot. Right. Which I think is actually, now she's corrected me, that's my memory. Right, Okay. So... That's that's great, isn't it? Uh, it's great, yes. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, team.
0: Ba-doom, ba-doom. <laughs> ba-doom, 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 ba-doom. <laughs> who that's, needs Sandy uh, Toxvick yeah, when the you've got Charlotte? From, yeah, QI for uh, international listeners who may yeah. not know. Oh, Alex Bell, of course, QI Elf, has been on the podcast. I bumped yeah. into him a few times recently as well. It's funny how you go a long time without seeing someone. And then you see him three times? Yes, there he was at the Jekyll premiere the other night. Yeah. And uh, was he? He was at your he was at the thing do like, the other night, night, night. as well. Yeah, and,
1: and he was at the Candy Land in the Bear Anders. Oh, well, I didn't
0: go to that. No. You were invited. I was invited, but I had to get home after rehearsal and have some dinner. Anyway, well, uh, go practice your golf and I'll see you next week. Okay. For... Can we have a redo? A mulligan. That was an Anderson Entertainment production.